this, 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 this show is brought to you by Safety FM. Welcome to the award-winning Interest in Health and Safety podcast, making health and safety as important as everything else we do in business. And now your host, health and safety specialist, mentor and speaker, Colin Nottage. Hi there, Colin Nottage here and welcome to the Interest in Health and Safety podcast. First of all, I'd love to uh, give you a message from our sponsors, um, Project Meletium. Um, thank you very much to the, uh, to the people that are running Project Meletium. Uh, it's a fantastic uh, community which is looking to uh, help health and safety professionals on their, on their journey. Um, people who are new to the industry, people who are maybe at a bit of a crossroads in their, uh, in their journey, or maybe people that are the, coming towards the end of their careers and want to give something back to, uh, to the uh, profession, then uh, Project Meletium is a fantastic place for, for, for all like, three of those groups to, uh, to go and, uh, and interact and to, to become involved. So please check out www.projectmeletium.com. Today, I would like to introduce you to Nippon Anand. Uh, Nippon uh, is originally from India, but has been in the UK for a few years now. And is uh, is a pretty pretty dynamic and exceptional character. Absolutely, absolute pleasure to talk to. Um, we spoke about so many different things in this uh, in this uh, episode um, around perspective and uh, discussions with, uh, with 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 workers and giving people a voice. And um, hey, we'll have a little chat at the end of this. But um, you know, I would love to welcome you uh, and introduce you to uh, to Nipan Anna. I have been living in the UK for the last 16 years now. Mm-hmm. So originally come from India, I came to the UK to do a master's degree in economics and I, I got stuck <laughs> forever. <laughs> um, um, I did a PhD. I mean, I was offered a PhD uh, just after I finished my master's at Cardiff University. So I did a PhD in social sciences and anthropology. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then I went to University of Nottingham uh, for a couple okay. of years as a research fellow. I didn't quite enjoy academia. It's quite slow for me. So came okay. back to operations again. And then I served as a safety inspector for a, for an organization called Detnosc Veritas, which is known as DNV now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So seven years, I, I worked in the North Sea area as a safety inspector. And uh, uh, my interest uh, primarily lies in, in safety management systems and, and particularly accident investigations. And mm-hmm. so that's... Uh, and. Yeah, so looking at broader theories of 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 not just uh, uh, safety differently, new view, but also going as far as, um, if you like, uh, uh, postmodernism, uh, and looking at the work of Immanuel Kant and 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 uh, also um, uh, David Hume's, and and I, I quite enjoy philosophy. Yes, yes. Mm. it's um you know it's so fascinating. I mean, once you once you start, um, you know, really sort of exploring the people, you know, the people side of people and people's mindsets and the way that they think. And it's it, it's just it becomes fascinating. I mean, you know, we are I believe, you know, that we are really, really fortunate to to be working in a in a in a sort of a, a sector or an industry where you actually can get to just talk to people. You know, it's just it's just wonderful, isn't it? You know what I mean? And you, and you get and you often get paid for it, which is. <laughs> I mean, it's right. wonderful. So this postmodernism, then. What, I mean, can you can you talk a little bit about that then? Because you know that's that's not something that you hear a lot when you uh, when you when you chat to to safety folks. So what, what, how does that work? 
Well, I think it works. Uh, when, if you look at the work of Sidney Decker, uh, for example, or, or many of these uh, theorists who have been working in this area for a long time, uh, what are, or even Johann Bergstrom, for example, who's based in Lund University, and I have a lot of time for him, um, is that uh, the, you know, the uh, after Renaissance came Enlightenment, and, you know, during the Enlightenment age, we, we saw uh, reason became the most powerful thing to 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 progress. So yeah, for everything you must have a reason, and, and reason is the way to understand the world, uh, is to understand the universe, to un understand the world around us. And that kind of you know I'm just explaining it in in, in, a, in very yeah. few words. But then from from enlightenment enlightenment we have we had philosophers like Francis Bacon and 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 um, uh, Derrida and Isaac Newton not not Derrida Isaac Newton. Uh, you know, that's where that's where the Newtonian kind of thinking comes from, cause and effect kind of thinking, as we talk about it in in the in today's world. And then we, from there, from enlightenment, we progress towards uh, postmodernism, which kind of uh, rejects the idea of any sort of universal reality. Uh, so reality is is so so. What it says is that reason uh, is 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 basically corrupted. And the whole idea of reason is so far away from reality. And, and a beautiful quote comes to mind, which uh, I was just, you know, I was just revisiting the work of Immanuel Kant yesterday only. And it's it's a beautiful quote. It says that uh, uh, reality uh, is forever closed off to the reason. Uh, reason has no other, other purpose but to subscribe to its own formal rules for the extension of its empirical employment. Mm -hmm. Right. So if you... Think about reason as in, uh, um, how do I say? So uh, let me repeat that. Reason has no other purpose but to subscribe to its own formal rules for the extension of its empirical employment. And if you now look at safety management system in the way it's it's uh, it, it's operates in most companies, uh, if you replace the word reason with uh, with uh, uh, standard procedures and and and, and regulations. And uh, if you look at the term formal rules and you translate it into algorithms that, that we use in, in big data. Mm -hmm. So what is reason actually doing? Reason is just reproducing its own self rather than engaging with surprises, engaging with novel knowledge. So yeah. so reason is, is, is such a dangerous thing. And this is what postmodernism talks about that, you know, uh, at the end of the day, it's it's your own reality. And it's only by understanding different realities, different perspectives, we get to understand the bigger picture, the bigger truth. Mm. So uh, one reason on its own cannot explain anything. So there's mm. a constant tension between enlightenment and, and where we are today, which is postmodernism. Yeah, uh, mm. modernism and postmodernism. And that kind of, I find it very fascinating in the way we, we, we approach the whole idea of safety and safety management system today. Because mm. perspective is a big thing, isn't it? And, you know, and... Um, you know, most most businesses, when they do when they do write something, they're, they're they're often writing it from the perspective of the of the manager and of the and of the company, and very very rarely do they write it from the perspective of the person that are actually almost writing it for. You know, and it's so you know it's 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 a bit arse about face really, isn't it? When you, you yeah, know. the problem, uh, Colin, is that uh, uh, you know you need some sort of certainty to move on, and uh, when we get too caught into perspectives, uh, the, the the trouble is that uh, science does not make much progress. Then, because, you know, to make progress, you need certainty, and certainty mm -hmm. comes from from Descartian, Newtonian kind of thinking, not from embracing perspectives. So it's a very tricky one, actually. It's it's a mm -hmm. very difficult one in philosophy, and philosophers have kind of struggled with this idea for many many years now. Mm. 
So what I mean, you know, you know, obviously you you you've looked into this, and 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 I, and I don't for one minute expect expect you to explain your your years of learning in in twenty minutes, but but you know how 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 should organisations then embrace the sort of thinking then that you that you're you know you're you're thinking about at the moment? What should they do? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I I I've. For one, I'm, I'm I'm a huge fan of the idea of embracing different perspectives because I think different perspectives do bring richness mm-hmm. uh, in the conversation, richness in the quality of conversation. And I think by unpacking those those differences, you actually can can progress further. So I'll give you a small example. Um, I mean, I've I've been involved in a in a project for for a for a few years now, and I'm looking at how this whole idea of hazard observation systems, safety observation systems operates in in practice. So it's it's been a curiosity for almost 13, 14 years now, but it's only a couple of years ago, I, I started a, a very dedicated project on its own, funded by the UK government. So one of the things we were looking at, uh, Colin, is that how do you make sense of this uh, steady flow of information that is coming through in the organizations? And the way it works today is that you submit an observation or incident, or, or I would particularly stick to something small, not big. Mm-hmm. So um, a technical failure, operational failure, hazard observation, and um, you submit it. And from the other side, uh, somebody who's completely removed in time and space will make an interpretation of it, mm-hmm. which is so far away from the experience of the person who has actually reported it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how do you then make sense of this information? So where we, I find there is a huge opportunity is to, uh, and you ask the question, so how do organizations you know, uh, move forward? I, I personally feel there is value in, in turning this whole thing into a conversational system. So mm. you're not really uh, reporting and, uh, and, and, and relying on somebody else who's removed in time and space to make sense of it, but you actually having a conversation as a community, mm-hmm. a multi-way conversation where people, different people join into the conversation and suddenly you find that, so what that conversation does is that it helps you uh, to get to the nuance of that conversation, to helps you to challenge the, the assumptions that we make in those conversations. Mm-hmm. And I think that is what organizations need today, is to, need to have conversations at different levels across departments across hierarchies mm-hmm. and that that i think is 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 the change that is needed today yeah yeah and no, i really i really agree with that and i think um you know from a uh you know just from a practical level of, of people at the, at the sharp end of the business you know when you you know when you come to do risk assessment you know um there are so many there are so many awful documents and, and things that are put together because those conversations don't have it happen yeah, why not, you know, if people are happy to it, why not record a discussion that you have with the people about how are we going to do this job and, you know, and even video it and go out onto site and actually show where it is that you're going to do the work. What a what a, what a powerful assessment of risk that would be, you know, rather than ticking a, a one and a five and multiplying it together and, you know, and all that, all that rubbish. You know, I think, you know, there's so many better ways. And then, and then, and then, you know, at a at a um a higher level, then you know, sort of cross departments. What um you know, what benefit is there to a business then for doing for doing that then talking talking between departments about about this? Yeah, I mean, if you look at most of the operational communication that happens in any organization, it 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 involves more than one department. It it so let me share a screen with you, and it probably will make sense a little bit more. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so this is a beautiful example I like to to use in many talks. Mm -hmm. And this comes from a from a, a supply ship, uh, and we have lots of them in Aberdeen, uh, Colin. So you know the the observation reads something like this. When alongside the oil platform, we received and connected what was said to be a freshwater hose and started to pump water from the tank. Our pump quickly tripped and stopped due to high back pressure. We then drained back to freshwater tank. It was found that a hose sent to us had been last used to load chemicals. Our water lines got contaminated by the chemical. It needs to be cleaned upon arrival port so that we can be confident that it is safe for use. Two crew members also got some chemical spray in their face and eyes when they disconnected the hose. They flushed their face with plenty of water and later took a shower. The condition seems to be okay and no medical treatment is needed so far. They were both wearing safety glasses. Mm -hmm. Now, go back to your question, which is that what incentive do we have to create these conversations across departments? If you look at this hazard observation, uh, well, first of all, it's uh, it's far from from anything called a hazard observation, uh, but it is a very common thing that you see across organizations. Mm -hmm. And one of the biggest problem, Colin, is that we have put too many channels in the communication upwards. Mm. So even before you want to say something, you have to put it in certain brackets. Mm -hmm. And the difficulty of that is that once you put a conversation in a particular bracket, it goes to a particular person or a department, which probably has very little to do with it. You saw in this, in this example, there is an element of personal safety. Mm -hmm. This person, you know, and even at the level of personal safety, not just personal safety, process safety. So this could be uh, uh, categorized as an incident and as an accident, as a total failure of safety management system. But also at another level, it could be seen as an inter the, the failure of the interface between a drilling rig and, and the, the, the supply ship. So there's yep. a contractor issue here. Mm -hmm. Then you look at uh, the, the, the tripping of the pump which if did not happen, it could have resulted in something really catastrophic. So in yeah. a way, it's a technical success. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and this is, so what I'm trying to say is that the communication upwards is messy. Mm -hmm. And to put it into a specific channel is a very dangerous thing to do because it often ends up in the hands of people who have very little to do with it or who can actually do something about it. And mm -hmm. it leads to a very classic problem of accountability diffusion, which is that I I am a, a frontline worker and Colin is a HR manager. And I reported this to, to our safety manager. I report this to Colin, but it actually has nothing to do with Colin. It, 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 it has to do it and it actually has more value with the technical department. So what Colin does, he does not forward it any to anywhere else. Mm. He just uses this information, produces a beautiful pie chart, brings it up to the management meeting and shows a beautiful statistics and every, everyone looks happy. So the balance is is met really well. I have reported Colin has done something about it, but mm. actually nothing has been done about it because there's no accountability in the system. This is accountability diffusion. And that happens because we have put too many channels at the start of the conversation of, of the report. So if you look at it in terms of trying to, to bring this to the right department, that can only happen if you allow this conversation to float up and then decide where it should go to. And that person should not be the frontline worker and definitely not a safety department. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. No, I mean, because, you know, in the, in there, there's there are so many uh, um, factors in that example that you gave with, you know, with respect to, to quality and 
risks to the environment and financial impact and you know there are so many other there are so many other people that that um that could get involved but what would tend to happen with that event is is it will be you know i don't know if it would be class i don't know if it's a near miss or whatever no, if nobody got hurt you know there's there's all sorts of things that that could like you say could get just just pushed away and 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 you've lost a fantastic opportunity to learn haven't you and and it's but you know but a lot of the things that we've spoken about here about have been quite have been quite negative events haven't they you know about you know when something's gone wrong or when there's been a problem what about you know what about focusing more on on actually the good things that happen in you know in in business every single day you know what's your what's your take on that yeah well the way i see it is that uh, there is no need there is a temptation to to call something good and bad but i think it's 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 important to just look at uh, what it is you know rather than labeling it anything because categorization actually pushes us into into some everything is very contextual you know something happens in, in, in a good context could could result in a good outcome and same thing happens that improvisation is a great example of that improvisation mm-hmm. can lead to something really uh, useful and productive but it could also lead to a catastrophe and, and the maritime industry is full of those examples yes now i think what is really needed in this situation is that you need to have some sort of experience exchange you need to have knowledge exchange you need to have people who are willing to share information I think that is the bit that I find missing in 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 the systems today, in the formal systems. So, and that happens primarily because most of these systems are, are there are two problems. One is that they are very uh, linear in the sense that it's between the line management and the worker, yeah. and the other thing it's it's very one-way communication. So, mm-hmm. reporting by its very nature is one-way conversation. There's no two-way conversation. And where I see the opportunity is that why not make it more lateral conversation, which is between peers, between colleagues. rather than having it between uh, uh between the line and the worker which is very limited in terms of any value addition in terms of any learning mhm mhm so when you you know when you're talking um as sort of linear then are you are you saying that there might well be three or four conversations that are going on at one time between people in in different environments um you know so that so the guys may be talking about how how did the you know how did this event go, go happen or or whatever it may be and 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 are coming up with their their own solutions because because they're dealing with the problem day in day out and then the management are talking about it um in and 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 coming up with their 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 solutions because they've got different pressures but how do you how do you tie those things how do you tie those things together so that you actually end up with a with with the right outcome rather than a a series of outcomes I think that this uh, by linear what I really meant in this situation was uh, a conversation that is restricted to two people. Okay. So one person reports it and the other person either acknowledges it or, or doesn't even bother to acknowledge it. That, mm-hmm. that that what that's what happened most of the times in reporting system. So you have somebody who's reported it to somebody else in the head office who's removed in time and space and that person then analyzes this conversation to to understand Uh, what went wrong in this particular situation so that's what i meant by linear and very okay. uh, restrictive kind of uh, communication i think what you are talking about here is that how do we recognize patterns in these conversations so that management and workers are not looking at the same thing and 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 looking at it differently mm-hmm. so there is some sort of mechanism for management to actually start to recognize patterns in the way uh, people are experiencing problems or or, or events whatever you want mm-hmm. to call it yep so and that's 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 another uh, thing that we are looking at so 
so once the management starts to see patterns, for example, in 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 uh, hypothetically speaking, you have a particular kind of equipment that is not working well, and you're starting to see conversations across the fleet, across ships, across uh, the sites, across facilities, then uh, you can actually, uh, uh, because everything happens in the open, uh, you start to pick up these patterns. And once you start to pick up this, and you say, hey, guys, uh, I'm seeing, repeatedly I'm seeing patterns with, with uh, certain emergency equipment not working so well. Does anyone have any idea why this is happening? So now you throw it back to the community, mm-hmm. uh, which is completely transparent and open. And that community can then make sense of that information and give you something back. So what you have done in essence is you have created a marriage between artificial intelligence and actual intelligence, which mm-hmm. does not happen today. Yeah, no, no, I like that. I like that throwing it back to the community. I think that's uh you know, that's a that's a really great way of uh, great way of exp- expressing it, I think. And uh, because you know we, you know, you were saying earlier on that you know people you know people can make can make decisions and can be adaptable and and change things and 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 it has a fantastic result and and they can do something very very similar and it can have a, a, a terrible result. So how yeah how can you how can you sort of you know build a system with that flexibility? But also having the sort of safeguard so that 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 disastrous result doesn't happen then, because you do want people to be adaptable and to be able to make changes and make decisions. You know, how do you how do you, how do you achieve that? Um, I see where you're coming from. So uh, the the idea is uh, is not to to as I said to you earlier, the idea is not to judge something as good or bad yeah. purely based on the outcome of it. Okay. The idea really is to to create to tap into the informal organization that informal organization how does the informal organization operate you know mm-hmm. for example a nurse is, is is standing next to the doctor and they are both in the in the operation theater and doctor something does something really stupid and nurse kind of intervenes and then so what you are trying to do is creating by creating those conversations in the open space what you're you're, what you're encouraging is for the organization to look at, look, this is how work happens, and this is how people intervene to to create success, mm-hmm. is to is to create successful outcomes. So your job is to constantly create conversations around informal work, and if there are patterns there that can be recognized that you can make sense of, then you move this informal work closer to their formal rules and regulations or procedures and standards. So you're constantly trying to 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 move if you like, for the lack of a better term, work as imagined, uh, closer to work as it is done. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. And I suppose this then comes back to, you know, sort of one of the bugbears that I have is that um, is that there's almost there's almost too much, too many procedures and too many things that are written down, where in actual fact, what you what you want to be doing is getting really good at, at, at documenting and recording the things that have got significant risk or you know, can, can kill you and, and not worry as much about the about the, the things that aren't as aren't as significant. Does that does how, how do you feel about that? No, that's not what I mean. I think oh, okay. uh, what 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 is important here is to reduce the threshold of reporting. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. OK, there is no need to go after high potentials and, and, and consequence based uh, accidents. There right. is absolutely no learning there. Absolutely none. OK. What you want people to do is start to talk about the obvious. 
is to is to literally, as you see in my hands, to reduce the threshold of reporting. So, uh, so you 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 have made some adjustment, or you 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 just want to have a conversation with with one of your colleagues. Uh, you need some assistance from them. You believe that a certain piece of equipment that was installed on board a ship, you know, it it's uh, the 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 equipment manufacturer's maintenance requirements are absolutely unrealistic. Now everyone knows that. Mm-hmm. Every every everyone who works with machinery knows that a lot of manufacturers put very unrealistic expectations. It is very very cumbersome uh, and and uh, resource intensive for for consumables like filters for 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 grease for oil for 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 all sort of things. And most of these people have worked out a way how to reduce this. Right. The trouble is that they don't talk between themselves. Mm-hmm. And what we are trying to do is we are trying to reduce the threshold of this 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 uh, discussion so that you don't really have to talk about big things, failures and and all that stuff. You just talk about the 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 the, the normal everyday stuff. Okay. And once you have that conversation, you kind of already are in a very um, I hate the word uh, in a leading space. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. No, I I hear what you're saying there. So it's a, uh, I mean again, it, it you know it 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 comes down to 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 talking and to conversations and to discussing things and you know and i suppose it's the guys you know who you know during a break you know they're just they're just saying oh you know well, what's going on next or oh, we got this job to do right then let's uh well let's just have a good chat about it let's have a good chat about it before we start to uh start to do this job and just make sure that we're really comfortable with with how we're going to go we're going to go about it let me show you something else here. Mm-hmm. I, I love to work with examples because uh, yeah, there's yeah. nothing better than that uh, uh, so, in a typical reporting system, Colin, uh, can you see my screen? No, not maybe at not. The moment. Not the moment. In yeah. a typical reporting system, you would see somebody reporting something like this. Uh, during deck rounds, I noticed the manhole cover was left open after tank inspection. I closed the cover and reported to the supervisor. Uh, so, what you're saying, uh, the response, most of the times there is no response. If you ever give it a response, it will be something like this. Good job. Now check the permit to work system is signed off and closed. Inform supervisor not to leave the manhole cover open at the end of day's work. Mm-hmm. So this is a very typical safety reporting system. Yeah. Yeah. Where there is absolutely no engagement, no curiosity whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have a report and it must be closed out within a certain amount of time. So everyone is working to their goals and targets. Now, there's another way of looking at this conversation, which is something like this. So... You know, somebody reports, hey, what's on your mind? So somebody says, uh, what's on your mind today? Or what, what do you want to talk about? Or what do you want to share with your colleagues? So you say, during deck rounds, I noticed the manhole cover was left open after tank inspection. I closed the cover and reported to the supervisor. Uh, now, there's a curiosity there to say, do you have any idea why this happened? Well, no idea. Speak to Ronald. He was carrying out the job. So now Ronald is tagged and he was brought into the conversation. And Ronald says, yes, we had to leave the job in between to attend to bunkering. Uh, Ronald, do you need some support? A uh, 15 minutes notice would be very helpful. Mm-hmm. So what you're trying to do here is you are trying to engage. There's two things here that's happening. One is that you want to create a multi-way conversation. You want to encourage different perspectives. And as a result of those different perspectives, something beautiful emerges, which is uh, you get to the place where somebody who really has a solution to the problem uh, will come up with something that would work in that situation. Mm-hmm. So instead of putting two more procedures or checks into the system, you just give another 15 minutes to the person to sort out his problem. And next time, you know, so 
And this is the beauty of having everyday conversations. When you start to have more conversations like this, you start to see, oh, there are time pressures in, in critical operations. Mm-hmm. So instead of putting more constraints, which is probably going to put even more constraint on your system, which is already very bureaucratic, you start to remove some of these constraints from the system. Mm-hmm. So so this is the, the power and the beauty of conversation, the diversity of perspectives, multi, multi-way com- communication, uh, along with uh, amplification of expertise, which is, you know, uh, uh, getting to the person who actually knows what the solution to the problem is through this conversation. You come to what you call the decluttering of, of, of safety management system, which is you remove certain checks and pro- procedures which are not helping in the situation. Mm. So, so this is where we are trying to get to. Yeah, because a, a lot of the checks and the procedures are not put in to help the job. Are they? They're, they're, they're almost put in as a as a way of trying to defend a situation if something went wrong, you know. Which is which is just ask ask about face, isn't it? You know, I mean, you know, it should be there to, you know. I, I had a really nice chat with um a guy called um Josh Bryant down in um down in Australia, and he was talking about um like critical critical control. You know, and he was saying, you know, look, there's, there's, you know, th- there's certain things that we, when we're doing this job, we really need to make sure that these things are in place. And if we, if we know that we've got those things in place, then we're in a pretty good place. You know, we, we, you know, we, we're, we're really comfortable about that, and we, we don't have to worry about all the other bits and pieces. We can just focus on the things that are really important. And the, you're, you're nodding a lot there, so hopefully I'm saying something, <laughs> I'm talking something right there. But absolutely, I mean, to take on that. Yeah, what what you have done is you have given the control, not not the, but you have you have given the worker to voice his or her concerns, mm-hmm. to say what is the most meaningful thing in the situation, mm-hmm. and your job then becomes from somebody who wants to prevent accidents to somebody who wants to support doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. So it's a fundamental shift in in your role then from there. So you're more of an enabler, and this is what we have what we have created is what you call a work enabling system as against the safety management system. So how do you enable work? How do you get people to do the right thing? Yeah, yeah, I like that work enabling system. I like that. That's uh, I'm making a few little notes here because again, going back to going back to your um your scenario about the um the manhole being left open, you know, in actual fact, in a lot of cases, it would not have even got to that first stage. You know, all that would have happened with the manhole would have been shut by the guy who was walking around and not said anything to anybody, and then and then the issue would never have would never have gone anywhere. You know, because because the guy who or the person that that, that had to leave the job. You know, will will have forgotten that he left it, the thing open, and 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 it would never have raised its head again because somebody else has, sh- has shut it down. So you know, so having these, you know, having these discussions, having these conversations, is just so valuable, so valuable. Indeed, and and the the the, the bit that is interesting, this is a technology, of course, that I'm talking about that we have developed. But uh, the the important bit is that it's not about the technology; it's a shift in thinking. Because mm-hmm. what you see, the attitude you see in most companies is that uh, when you see the manhole cover open, as you saw in that example also, the idea is to reinforce the procedure that, you know, you, you've done a good job now, now inform the supervisor and never do it again, you naughty boy. You should never do that again. Mm-hmm. So you're constantly reinforcing what you already know. So at the heart of it lies a very, very powerful thing, which is that we believe that we have a safety management system that will keep us safe and secure. And it is very, very difficult for for a normal person to think beyond that because you know if that safety management system cannot give me the protection that I'm looking for, then I do not exist as a safety professional. Mm. And that is a very powerful thing to think about. Mm-hmm. My, I am nothing without that safety management system. Mm-hmm. And if I'm trying to tell you, no, that safety management system only holds some bit of information, 
And, and a lot of it outside that you face today is very uncertain. And I can tell you most of it will not work when you need it. That, mm. is, a, a, that is a direct uh, threat to the identity of a professional. And mm. that is scary. Mm. So what I'm trying to say is that no rules or, or bad rules are better than no rules for most people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. Because they give you certainty. Yeah, no, definitely, definitely. I'm just, uh, I'm just sitting here thinking about, you know, just about you know, some of the, you know, some of the documentation that you, uh, that you see, and you know, and how, you know, just a typical, you know, a typical risk assessment, you know, has got these, uh, you know, these got these words like existing controls and, uh, and future controls, where, whereas it should be, you know, you know, what existing things do we need to do to enable this work to happen safely? Wouldn't it be just a, a nicer way of of, of asking a really, really important question, you know, rather than saying what controls do we need to, to put in place? Because it just sounds so controlling, doesn't it? You know? yeah, the, the, the picture that comes to mind is, is of a doctor who's climbing the stairs uh, in a hospital and on the side of the stairs it says, uh, do not hold the handrails because it's uh, it, there's a risk of infection. So yeah. all your rules and regulations are thrown out of the windows in the face of uncertainty. Mm. And all you need is to think contextually, you know, which rule applies in what situation. And sometimes when you speak to people who have been experts in the in the area for many years, mm. they will tell you one thing that sometimes not doing anything is the best thing to do. Mm. But how difficult it is in the face of, of, of uh, you being thrown into a situation and mm. saying that there is nothing to be done. That comes with lots of experience, lots of expertise. Uh, and to reach that position and to say that, no, yes, I'm not doing anything about it today mm-hmm. takes a lot mm. of courage. Yeah, definitely, definitely, definitely does. So with rules, then, I mean, what, well, just generally speaking, then, what, what value do you feel there are to having rules? You know, because I, I talk to people and there's some people that, are, that, that that say, you know, it's it's set in the standard and it's there. And then other people saying it's, you know, the minute it gets weaponized, then you've lost you've lost the reason for, for having these. I mean, what's your take on it? Yeah, I, I quite like the idea of meaningful compliance. Is, okay. and the example that I gave you just now of giving that person 15 extra minutes was mm-hmm. was a very, uh, very uh, appropriate example of meaningful compliance. That uh, the problem that we have today is that you know we have raised a war against uh, rules and regulations, and, and part of the reason is that because we don't know which rule to apply in what context, mm-hmm. and that is the beauty of expertise. Expertise knows which rule to apply in what context. Mm-hmm. So and that is, you know, when you know which rule to apply in what context, and I said this to you earlier, that sometimes not applying any rule is also a, a rule in itself. Yeah. And that comes from expertise. So through expertise, you start to connect purpose with the process, as mm-hmm. Greg Smith would call it. And it's, mm-hmm. the book is, is, is phenomenal to read, actually. I would recommend the book Paper Safe from Greg Smith. But mm-hmm. the whole idea of the book is how do you connect uh, the purpose with the process? Or at, as the German philosopher Max Weber would say, uh, purpose with bureaucracy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah so no. I, to answer your question, I don't think there is any need to throw rules out of the window. You no. have to apply, learn to apply rules uh, with intelligence. But mm-hmm. that comes through years of expertise and knowledge. Mm-hmm. And, and unfortunately, we are, we are seeing uh, uh, we are in a space where expertise is becoming more and more scarce in most organizations. Very mm-hmm. worrying. No, without a doubt, it's uh, you know, I mean, I, I work in the, uh, I work in the quarrying industry, as I mentioned uh, to you earlier, and um, you know, there was a, a, you know, if you look at one of the one of the most fundamental uh, activities, you know, sort of, you know, higher higher potential activities is is what's called shot firing, blasting, 
and and that expertise from a on a company by company basis has pretty much disappeared in the UK you know and it's 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 all it's, everything's contracted out now to to good good con- contractors there's some really really good contractors out there but you know I, I, you know when I was when I was a, a quarry manager coming into coming in I had to understand shop firing you know it, it was one of the things I had to do right at the beginning of my 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 education and and so that gave me a really good perspective of what it was actually about but now a quarry manager comes in and they don't need to know anything about it because everything's been been farmed out to a contractor and i just feel that that's a real weakness because you know that 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 person that's coming in you know just is just isn't looking at it in the same way just isn't considering things in the same way as somebody who's got that experience so you know so it's you know there's 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 benefits to to outsourcing you know but there's also there's also issues with it you know and i think there's certain activities that you should uh, you should really be keeping in-house so i've just waffled on there and i haven't asked you a question <laughs> no 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 you're absolutely right i mean this is this is uh what you call the scientific scientific division of labor mm-hmm. that uh, you, you you break work into components so that it becomes meaningless for everyone in, in the value chain it's the adam smith's analogy of of 16 different uh, processes to to create a, a pin Mm-hmm. Um, so you have literally de-skilled people, uh, and through that de-skilling, uh, you 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 create a labor, you, uh, uh, a profit surplus. But what you also do is uh, uh, people lose any sort of meaning and 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 uh, joy in work. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the that's the death of expertise. But yeah. uh, but in high skill profession, you still find people who often work. Uh, often, I would say, use the word often work against the procedures, despite the procedures, to get things done. Mm-hmm. And that is the beauty of it, that what is it that experts are doing to get things done, despite all the constraints that we are putting on them? Mm-hmm. And therein lies the value, you know, in, in tapping into that informal organization. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. And then then I suppose what you must do then is you've got to really, really challenge the constraints that, that you're putting on. And, you know, and, and, and this comes back to this decluttering, doesn't it? This comes back to... Well, actually, the interesting bit, is they themselves will tell you what is working and what is not working. If you mm-hmm. if you create a system where where you where you listen to them, but unfortunately, we're not listening to them because mm-hmm. we also have pressures, we have constraints and we have matrix and we have targets that we have to meet. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that, that conversation sometimes, uh, and it, it is scary in many ways because uh, work is still happening in the very similar way. People are still doing what they need to get done despite... Or, or against the procedure it's just that they don't tell us anymore so mm-hmm. there's a big disconnect between imagination and, and operations mm-hmm. and so you know and you know so where do you you know where do you see the safety professional sort of sitting sitting in this then because because those conversations you know need to be they need to be happening between a whole range of people you know and you know and operational people so do you see that the safety professional needs to be somebody that's just in, enabling those conversations to happen you know is that is that rather than rather than actually measuring and monitoring whether things are happening but just just enabling them but, you know what 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 do you say what's your take on that yeah i think the safety professional needs to become a little bit more business minded uh, and when i say business minded I, I really mean somebody who has a good grasp of how the organization functions Mm-hmm. And when I say functions, I'm not talking the structure of the organization, but how do you take the raw material and, and produce value out of it, whatever that means in your specific organization, mm-hmm. and trying their very best to connect between the dots. Mm-hmm. Once you have a context-rich understanding of the problem, then uh, you are less into compliance and non-compliance, 
and more into how do you connect between the different departments to make things work. Mm. And that is enabling, in mm. my view. Mm. So I guess there's three things there. One is that to appreciate uh, the, 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 the business context of the organization, uh, to, to approach everything with curiosity and open-mindedness, Mm-hmm. And a third bent is, uh, which I feel is is very important for a safety professional, is to to start to become uncomfortable with being uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Uh, to 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 simplify it further, to say that uh, yes, we have rules and regulations in the safety management system, but rules and regulations are often built on the knowledge and experience of 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 the past. But the future is very uncertain, and when you get to a stage of un- uncertainty and you don't have rules and regulations, you have to intelligently work out what are the constraints that you need to get things done in this system, in, in this in this particular operation. Mm-hmm. So I think there is an element of that, which is to 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 find ways in the face of uncertainty to, to move forward, to progress mm-hmm. further. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I like that. I may, you made me think then of, a, you know, many years ago, I was involved in an incident uh, investigation down in um, down in Kent where a, a guy was working on a um, on the top of a of a silo doing some work on the, on the top of a, a hopper. And um, and he he, he had a, he had an, an incident ended up twisting his ankle. And and, and when it when it we came out, it, it, he had been contacted, I think, something like 18 or 19 times by four or five different people. They were asking him when was the job going to be going when was the job going to be going when you know and it was there was a lot of pressure a lot of pressure was building and 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 when we first when it, we first looked at it it was very very easy to start to to point the finger and to blame the people that were ringing him and saying you know you know well they shouldn't have had the phone his phone number they shouldn't have called him but in actual fact when you when you actually look at it those people weren't ringing him because they wanted him to get hurt they had answers that they needed um, because they had customers who were on the phone, who you know, and so it's, and so what what we ended up coming up with was actually saying, well, you know, when you know when, when you're doing your your risk assessment or when you're doing your, your 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 whatever it is that you're doing for this particular job, one of your considerations has got to be about telling people that have got absolutely nothing to do with this operationally, you know, but of, of you know the sales department, you know, telling them rather than them having to ring and find out when is this plant going to be going again, actually ring them and say to them, look, we reckon it's going to take an hour and a half or two hours. Because then that really then starts to diffuse all the pressure. But what it's doing is it's 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 helping everybody. Because then that they, those people then can then make informed decisions, and and ultimately, you know, the, it's about keeping the customer happy because the customers are the people that pay the money, and and you know so you know again there's uh you know there's no question there again. <laughs> if I'm sorry. No, no, excellent. Uh, just an observation. No, it it's I think you made a very good point, an excellent point actually, which is uh, that. Uh, and this is exactly how you said you add value to the to the to the to the output of the organization because in essence what you're doing is uh, you're bringing people from different departments together and do, by doing that all those assumptions that each department makes in in getting things done uh, become more explicit and you start to get uh, become a lot more cooperative towards the other 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 department so you have much better much more smoother interface. And that leads to uh, more collaboration, but also improves the quality of the output. Absolutely. Yeah. I can't yeah. agree more with that. No, that's, that's really that's really cool. No, I really, really enjoy that. Hey, um, um, I don't know how you're doing for time. but um, Yeah, I, I, have a, I have a meeting in a few yeah, minutes. So I need yeah, to go. But, so, uh, can I just ask uh, one, one final thing then? How, how can, have you got anything coming up? Have you got anything you want to tell us about that's coming up? Um, you know, any events or any anything like that? And also, how can people get hold of you? 
Well, I'm on LinkedIn, um, and uh, I think we are connected, Colin, uh, yes, yeah, on LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. uh, I have my own website, novellas.solutions. I have my own personal website, nipinaran.com. Mm -hmm. You can write to me. There's uh, a couple of good workshops coming up in April on the Costa Concordia, and also one with Todd Conklin on accident investigation theory and practice. But mm -hmm. uh, most interestingly, we are we're just about launching this new system called Confidus. Uh, Confidus. Uh, uh, dot io uh, which is uh, funded by the uk government uh, and uh, this is really at the heart of it lies a very simple philosophy that we are taking uh, reporting into uh, a conversational system and mm -hmm. i would encourage you to to have a look at the 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 website i will send it to you yeah you will. I, I hope you like the concept. It's 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 uh, it's something I've been passionate about for 14, 15 years now. Yeah. It's a very integral part of me because I I've personally been involved in a near near collision, and I saw how how poorly it was understood from mm. the other side. Yeah. And from that point onwards, I have I've seen a lot of value in creating conversations around reporting. Mm. That's uh. I'm re I'm really I'm going to check that out for definite, you know. So really really interested in in seeing where that uh, where that goes, and I wish you all the best with that. And if you know, thank you ever so much for your time today. Really appreciate it. No worries. Uh, and uh, what I'll do is uh, I will send you the recording. Uh, I hope it has recorded, and you can actually uh, read through it. Um, yeah. uh, but if any problem, just 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 get back to me, and I will I will do my best to extract it into. Okay. Uh, through we transfer or something else otherwise okay but no thanks thanks for your time also uh yeah. i appreciate your time and uh yeah hope to meet you sometime yeah no definitely definitely all the best thank you very thank much you. bye 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 thank you ever so much for for taking some time out and coming uh, and talking with yourself on the interesting novel safety podcast it was a lovely a lovely experience and you're such a you're such a, a nice and kind and generous person um, and I've only only met you for 40 minutes but uh, that's the that's the warmth and how I feel after chatting with yourself um, and I really love what you spoke about and, I, and you know and I loved the uh, the way that you were talking about perspective and how important that is and um, but also how challenging it can be as well you know and um, but really understanding you know the, the decisions and the thought processes people make just before uh, you know, just before something happens, the event happens, is you know, is is a really, really fundamental part of trying to of trying to work out why things took the the route that they uh, that they did on a particular day. Um, I, I also love the way you talk about how important it is to give the workers the voice, and um, you know, and there's plenty of uh, you know, plenty of examples that I've got in my career, but. I think what, what I loved about the way that you spoke is just the storytelling. And I think, you know, if anybody out there is, is, is looking to try and get the message over to the people within their business, then try and frame it around some kind of story, some kind of experience, something that's, that happened to you that was important is a really great way to then uh, project that message out to, uh, you know, to the, to the people that you're trying to, to influence, talk to, engage with. You know, so um, you know, um, you know that is really, really fundamental and great to uh, to hear your stories. And it was also really interesting to hear about this this new project that you've got, the Confidus IO, and uh, you know, just um, you know, a different way, a different way of, of, of getting information from uh, from people when you know when things have maybe have maybe happened have gone wrong, and I think uh, um, you know, or even trying to find out how how things are done and how 
how things happen on a normal day. Um, you know, but just just new ways of engaging, new ways of opening up that sort of communication. I just think is absolutely brilliant. So I really, really wish you all the best with Confidus IO. Hey, you know, if you've enjoyed this episode, then um, then please uh, please tell other people about it. Please share it. Please subscribe. Um, please uh, please share. Please comment. You know, we'd love to to hear your comments. And if you have any uh, any guests or any people that you'd like to hear on the show, then then please um you know drop me a line. Um, come onto LinkedIn. Come onto uh, Facebook. You know, go to the the interesting health and safety podcast group and 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 put some information in there. You know, we'd really love to hear uh, what uh, you know who you'd like us to, to be engaging with and talking to. Um, you know, that's uh, that's that's it for today. And uh, you know, thank you ever so much for for listening. Um, you know, it really means a lot. Bye bye for now. Thanks for listening to the Interesting Health and Safety Podcast. You can follow and engage on Facebook and LinkedIn by searching the Interesting Health and Safety Community or go to www.influentialmg.com. And remember, let's make health and safety as important as everything else we do in business. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the host and its guests and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the company. Examples of analysis discussed within this podcast are only examples. They should not be utilised in the real world as the only solution available, as they are based only on very limited and dated open source information. Assumptions made within this analysis are not reflective of the position of the company. No part of this podcast may be reproduced, stored in a retrieval system or transmitted in any form or by any means, mechanical, electronic, recording or otherwise, without prior written permission of the creator of the podcast, Colin Nottage. <laughs>